Welcome to your Veterans Resource Podcast, Return to Roots. This podcast is for service members and their family members regarding retention, transition, and reintegration from active duty to veterans in the community. Hi, I'm your host, Chris Elder, an active duty senior chief in the United States Navy. My partner in crime slash host is Yogi Hernandez, who's an active duty chief in the Navy. Together, we are documenting our experiences as we prepare to transition and reintegrate into the community. Every podcast will have actionable content that will benefit American service members and their families, as well as those who have already transitioned and reintegrated. We got some exciting news. My transition timeline 365 is now on the Android and Apple App Store. Go on there, download it, track your transition timeline, find Return to Roots Mildevet inside of the app where you can find new updated episodes and get the most up-to-date information on your transition because your transition and reintegration into the community is priority. Enjoy the app and enjoy this show. This material is intended for a mature audience. If you have little ears within earshot, please make sure that you listen to it before you allow them to listen. We encourage people to utilize Courage to Call 211 if you have any suicidal ideations or if you just need somebody to talk to, 211 is a great resource. Today we have the privilege of talking with Fernando Arroyo, the Veterans Outreach Director at Step Forward Academy. He's a former paratrooper ranger and author of The Shadow of Death. Brothers and sisters, enjoy the show. What's your book all about, man? My book's titled The Shadow of Death, From My Battles in Fallujah to the Battle for My Soul. Really, what my book's about is my story from the time I joined after September 11. joined the Army. I was a paratrooper, airborne infantry. Joining after September 11, like so many Americans did, feeling that, you know, that I was called to do this, and then serving three combat deployments in Iraq and Afghanistan, and then coming back. And then the struggle of, of post-traumatic stress disorder, dealing with PTSD, dealing with all the memories, the loss of my friends, everything that I crammed to the back of my mind. And then when I come back, like there's nowhere else to hide. There's nowhere else to go. And it all just creeped on me to the point where I almost took my own life. I finally surrendered and said, okay, I need help. I put my pride aside. And so many of my friends have killed themselves. So many of my friends committed suicide. Some of them were killed in action. They they died honorably. You know, it's it's just so sad that like the Taliban couldn't kill my buddies. You know, Al-Qaeda and ISIS couldn't kill them. They took their own lives. And some of them, you know, they they were married, they had children, and it's just the the demons inside. It, it's the the fight within, you know, the battle that happens inside uh combat veterans when they when they get out and then they need purpose, they need calling, they need another mission. And I I was just I didn't know what I was going to do. Finally, I got help. I admitted that I needed help. And then now I get to turn around and help veterans. And I want to help as many veterans as I can so that they don't have to suffer the way I did. It's very honorable. I think that just like you said, man, the biggest issue that we have is once we start transitioning. And for us, it's sometimes more than a year or sometimes just very short is that we don't know what we're doing and it's not that we don't have options because we have plenty of options, but we just don't have the love and the passion, as you put it, a mission, right? What is the mission that we're going to accomplish? And then just like you said, people go down that spiral and the anxiety, depression, and you no, long, you no longer have the group and the camaraderie to be able to just kind of push it away and stuff like that. That is yeah. fascinating, man. Uh, Greatly appreciate your book. 
and it was very very deep to say the least so yeah. th and thank you for having the courage to be able to share that story unfortunately i think that it is very one is well we know it's very difficult but to have the courage to share that with the world and be vulnerable because you want to help it is fascinating man we really appreciate you yeah yeah a lot of my friends told me the guys i serve with and i don't know if you want me to get into the the book like if you if want you, to go ahead yeah go as deep as you want it's the Fernando okay. show okay so um before i get deep into it i had friends when when i announced that um and i'll tell you how it all happened but i got a book deal and I put it out there on social media and I said, Hey, my book's coming out in August 3rd, it's coming out. So it just came out, uh, five, you know, five, six months ago. So many guys that I served with were reaching out to me and they were like, man, like, I can't believe you're doing that. And I didn't know what they meant. I was like, well, what do you mean? Like what? And they're like, I don't even talk to my wife about the stuff we did. I, my kids don't know about the stuff we did. My, my parents, they have no idea about the stuff we did because, you know, it, it's not, um, it, it's hard to share about, oh yeah, I, you know, I shot these people or this is how my friends were killed. And to share the, the, the intimate stories of what you saw in war, it was just another world. And then you come back here and it's all like, everybody's living their life and everything's great. And, oh, hey, how, how was it over there? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not, yeah, it, you know what? I, I did my job and it's, you know, I, and I understand I kept it very vague, but it wasn't until I finally decided to get help. And then that I started meet, meeting veterans who needed help that I said, okay, in order for me to reach veterans and to get them to admit they need help, they need to hear my story. Yes. So, my story, where it begins, is uh, I I was like five or six years old, and Operation Desert Storm was was going on, and I remember watching Operation Desert Storm on TV, and then I remember seeing all these cool videos on TV of like thermal images of missiles hitting targets and uh, cool airplanes and stealth bombers and Navy ships launching Tomahawk cruise missiles, and I was like, dude, wow, that's cool. But the thing that captured me was seeing the guys on the ground fighting. And I thought, oh, damn, like, that's what I want to do. And that was 1991. Mm -hmm. And then 10, 10 years later, it's, it's September 11, 2001. And I'm in school. I'm in high school. And I remember I get to school that day. And my buddy Max, he ended up joining the Navy. And my buddy Max, he said, hey, did you hear what happened in New York? And I was like, no, like what? He's like, dude, there was an explosion in New York in one of the buildings. I was like, okay. And I didn't think anything about it. And then I get to my second class and I see like everyone in the previous class is still there. Some of them are crying. And I walk in and I'm like, you know, this is already weird. Like, why is the TV on? Teachers don't just turn their TV on. Why is everyone still sitting on their seats and why are they crying? So I walk in and I look at the TV and I see the Twin Towers on fire. And then I could see people jumping out of the buildings because they would rather commit suicide than burn alive. And then I heard that America was under attack. And I remember thinking, okay, this is it. I wanted to join since I was like five years old and now I can, and, and I have to do it. 
this is for this country, you know, this is for my country. So I go to the army recruiter and I'm like, Hey, I want to be a, a, a paratrooper and I want to go to army ranger school. And he just started laughing and he's like, no, you don't. I was like, no, yeah, man. Like I want to be a paratrooper. And he's like, dude, do you even know what that is? I'm like, yeah, you know, you jump out of planes and you fight. And he's like, dude, it's not going to be nice. You're going to be in the rain. You're going to be in the mud. Like it's terrible. And then he tried to offer me $20,000 enlistment bonus to be a cook in the army. <laughs> and I was like, nah, man, like I can't do that. Like, I'm not going to be a cook in the army. I want to be a paratrooper. I want to fight. So then he's like, dude, don't come to me and tell me that I didn't warn you. All right. And then he's like, have you ever been on an airplane? And I was like, no, nah, I grew up poor in a one bedroom house. Like my parents came here from Mexico. I had never been on an airplane. And he was like, dude, so you're telling me you want to <laughs> jump out of an airplane and you've never even been on an airplane. And I was like, yeah, you know, that's what I want to do. And he's again, don't come back and tell me that I lied. Oh, my recruiter lied to me and all this crap. And then I remember I signed the papers. I graduated high school and I'm on an airplane from LAX to Fort Benning, Georgia. And then I'm scared on the airplane. And then I remember looking out the window of the airplane. Dude, I looked out the window of the airplane and I was like, oh no, like I fuck, I messed up. <laughs> <laughs> dude i i messed up so bad oh man for the first time in history a recruiter wasn't lying i was like <laughs> oh yeah i don't want to do this so yeah i remember uh being afraid but then uh i went to fort benning for infantry training and you know it was scary and everything but i did it it was just learning to you know, kill the enemy, shoot, move, communicate, and kill. That's it. Shoot, move, communicate, kill. And, you know, learning infantry tactics, weapons, grenade launchers, rocket launchers, all kinds of weapons, um, all the cool gear, you know, the night vision, the infrared lasers, all that stuff. And then after infantry school, then I went to um, airborne school down the street. And, um, I, yeah, I remember, like, my first time jumping out of an airplane, um, the last it's three, airborne school is three weeks and the third week is jump week. And I just remember thinking like, dude, am I going to be able to do this? Am I going to be able to actually just throw myself out of this plane? And I remember getting, you know, my parachute on, you know, everything, they inspect you again and again, make sure you're good. The back of this, the ramp of the C-130 aircraft opens and you load up. And I remember sitting down and then watching the ramp close. And I was like, oh, crap. When this plane lands, when this airplane lands, I'm not going to be in it. I'm like, oh, damn. Like this, oh, this, you know. You know, I said a prayer, and then uh, then all the commands start. You know, they open the side doors, the wind's blowing. I hook up, and then it's like one after another, just like, go, and you start jumping out. Boom, 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 boom. It's like in like three minutes, 60 people jump out. It's like less than three minutes. It's fast. So I remember jumping out, feeling the wind, my parachute open. And I was like, oh, thank God my parachute open. And, <laughs> and then I hit the ground and I'm just like kissing the ground like, oh, man, I made it. And then I had to jump uh, five times. And then 
after that, then I went to Fort Benning, Fort Bragg, Fort Bragg, North Carolina, 82nd Airborne. And then when I got to the 82nd, that was all nighttime jumps, full combat gear, uh, low to the ground. Like it was just intense. And yeah, I jumped so many times, like, I don't know, like about 20 something, 30 times. About two months when I arrived to Fort, Fort Bragg, North Carolina, 82nd Airborne, then I volunteered for a recon platoon. So our job was to go behind enemy lines, to remain undetected, to gather intelligence about the enemy. And I remember after my training and making it through a selection and all this stuff, and then Iraq popped off. And then that's when uh, I deployed in 2003. And then I was in Fallujah, Iraq. And then I remember uh, in Fallujah, my first time in, in Fallujah, Iraq was a nighttime mission. And I'm wearing night vision and I, you know, I had the, um, my M4 and everything, like all the, you know, cool guy gear and stuff. And I remember being in the back of a cargo Humvee and we're looking at the city of Fallujah and I could see tracer rounds, you know, glowing red, uh, glowing red and green bullets flying into the sky and the insurgents, all the Al Qaeda guys, they were on the streets and they were shooting their machine guns in the air and and we were intercepting the radio and telephones and we could hear that like they, they were challenging us to a fight and they were saying that they were going to kill us and i'm like okay i was 19 years old i had just turned 19 the month before and i'm i'm, I'm ready to go and I'm, I'm scared i remember being afraid and i remember it's like the chaplain came out chaplain knight Chaplain Knight was a former Delta Force operator, and he felt called by God to be a chaplain. And so, you know, this guy had all the, I think he was in like Mogadishu, Black Hawk Down and like all that wow. stuff. He, yeah, he had all the cool guy stories, you know, we all looked up to him. Well, he prayed for us. And his prayer was like, Lord, we pray that you would guide our bullets to pierce the skulls of these savages and send them to hell. <laughs> In the name of Jesus, amen. And we're like, all right, let's go. And I remember getting on the Humvee. We locked and loaded, night vision on. And as we get into the city, all the shooting stops. So we knew we were being watched. And then we're going up and down the streets of Fallujah just looking for a fight. It was called a, a movement to contact mission, which is a fancy word, movement to contact. It, it just means search, seek and destroy. Mm -hmm. We're just going to go in the city. And we're gonna be like, hey, look, we're right here. Come on, like fight us, but we're gonna kill them because you know right. we're we're America, like we win, you know. So, dude, there was no one. There's no one. So we go to the outskirts of the city by the Euphrates, and we're driving like five miles an hour. Like, hey, there's tall grass on both sides, the Euphrates River. Uh, it's a swampy area. There's some houses, and then I hear two explosions, and there was two RPGs. And they flew like five feet over my head. And then I heard ambush. And then like bullets are flying towards me. And I could hear the sonic boom of the bullets going by me. Just pop, 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 pop. And when my night vision on, I turn on my Pac-4 infrared laser. And it was just an out-of-body experience. I just, I do what I was trained to do. I was on autopilot. And I start shooting back. I could see the muzzle flash, you know, as guys are shooting at me, I see their, their muzzles flashing and I'm just aiming for that and, and shooting these guys. And we start driving out of there to get out of the kill zone where the ambush is. 
And my team leader, McGuire, he's like reloading his grenade launcher, his 203 grenade launcher. And he's like, hey, there's a guy running. And I see this Iraqi with an AK running. It looked like he's trying to get a better position to shoot at us. So as we're driving off and he's running, I, I like follow him with my infrared laser and I put like five bullets in him. And I remember he fell and he disappeared. And by then I fired my 30 round mag. I said, hey, changing mags, changing mags. I put a fresh 30 round mag in, lock and load, I'm ready. And it's ceasefire and it was over. It was, it happened so fast. It was like an out of body experience. That was my first time that I killed a human being. And that was the first time that I saw combat. That was my second week in Fallujah. And I was there for seven months. So in seven months, in those seven months, I saw death. I saw people slaughtered. I saw there was this incident where an Iraqi police station was raided by, uh, I don't know if you guys, there, there was a, a guy named Abu Musab al-Zarqawi. Zarqawi was the most wanted terrorist in the world, more than bin Laden. He was the guy in Iraq, in the early Iraq war, he was chopping people's heads off. Yeah, I remember yeah. him. So we we were there and he, he was leading his guys to try to kill us and, and, and destroy Fallujah, destroy the, the police and all of that. And... um. Yeah, there was this one firefight. I wasn't there for it. I wasn't there. My old my 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 old platoon. I was in first platoon Bico of the 1505 Parachute Infantry Regiment, 82nd Airborne. But my old platoon, they were in a gunfight for three days and three nights. Oh and, wow. Yeah. And Zarkawi was there and he was like ordering his troops to like it was like wave after wave for three days. They were trying to take over the mayor's office, and our guys were protecting it. And I heard different body counts, but it's estimated that in those three days, they killed over 200 dudes. Wow. And like, you don't hear about this stuff, you know, you don't hear about this stuff, but um, those were the type of gun battles and things that were happening. And, but I remember coming back from war, turning my gear in and then waking up to the sound of gunfire in the barracks and explosions only to realize that it was all in my mind. I was just, having a flashback like i didn't even understand you know 19 years old been to war can't even buy a beer and i've been to war well then i went to afghanistan and then i went to beji iraq and uh i remember in beji iraq the the most intense i lost several friends there uh you know i wear these kia bracelets mm -hmm. uh i have i don't know how many i have but it's too many and yeah, I remember that deployment in Beijing, Iraq. There was this car bomb incident. Car bombs were the thing. They're packing these trucks with 2,000 pounds of explosives. This car bomb, June 25th, 2007, Beijing, Iraq. Um, a suicide bomber packs his truck with explosives, drives it into a joint security station, destroys an Iraqi police station. 19 Iraqi policemen were dead. My platoon got called to go and save them. And I remember my buddies from Charlie Company were there and they're all messed up. They're, they're, they had concussions in their heads. Like it was just um, where the Iraqi police station was, there was a co concrete barriers behind the police station. And then there was a two-story building where our guys were staying. And the, the Iraqi police station was destroyed, but the concrete barriers, they, they kind of took some of the blast. 
So all the guys in Charlie company in that two-story building, they were tossed out of like tossed around, you know, in that building, slammed up, up against walls. They had concussions, but they, they survived. But then 20 insurgents came in. So it was a, a coordinated attack. A car bomb goes in, boom, explodes, destroys the Iraqi police station. And then 20 bad guys are armed and dangerous. They go in and they're going to wipe out all the Americans. That was how they initiated the raid. But it takes more than a car bomb to stop paratroopers. And I remember, <laughs> yeah, we, we drove down the road. And I remember getting there and just seeing a crater on the ground. I could, my Humvee, uh, it's an up-armored Humvee, and I'm the squad leader. And I could hear bullets bouncing off the, the bulletproof, just bing, 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 bing. You know, they're trying to kill my gunner. So we parked the Humvee in front where the crater is, where the Iraqi police station used to be. And I get out and I walk, I get out and I go to the rubble where the Iraqi police station was, you know, it was all rocks. But in, in the rubble, there's bodies, body parts. And then I hear my, uh, I hear steps, like someone's walking out from behind the barriers. And it was my buddy Sullivan. I had served with him in Iraq, in Fallujah and in Afghanistan before. This was my third deployment. And I see Sullivan, he's got a bloody nose, full combat gear. And I was like, hey, Sully, are you okay? And, you know, I, I went to Army Ranger School. So did Sullivan, right? We were both recon, uh, you know, paratroopers. And then, uh, so I told Sully, I'm like, hey, Sully, are you okay? And then Sully says, I just killed 20 fucking insurgents and I'm going to go play with their bodies later. And I'm like, oh, he's good, you know? So <laughs> I'm like, hey, dude, like, what's going on? And he's like, look, we're taking fire from this three-story building. We're taking fire from here. We have um, in, uh, these cameras in the sky. They're, the enemy's coming. We're surrounded. We're surrounded. They booby-trapped the road from the joint security station to the main base with like 20 plus bombs. So reinforcements, they're not gonna get to us for like an hour. And then air support, you know, it's it's not like the movies. Like I remember watching uh, We Were Soldiers. I don't know if you guys saw that movie. Yep. Uh -huh. You know, We Were Soldiers. And then uh, they're like broken arrow and like everybody just shows up, you know? Well, they booby trapped the road. So we have no ground support. And then air support, well, air support is busy because there's other people. Hey, welcome to Iraq during the surge. There's other people fighting. First come, first serve. You're going to have to wait your turn. And that's going to be like 45 minutes to an hour. Yeah. So he's like, we're on our own for the next hour. Tell your guys to conserve ammo, take well-aimed shots. All right. You know, this is it. And you know, be, being a paratrooper, it means you're surrounded. We, we, we're trained to parachute behind enemy lines and you're, you're surrounded. We jump into that and we're supposed to win, you know? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like, that's what we do, right? So we were surrounded and for, for one hour on our own, it, it was about maybe 40 of us. 40 of us in a city surrounded by... I don't know, hundreds, I don't know how many. <laughs> and we fought wave after wave. And I remember finally close air support showed up and like they were 
you know, helicopters were doing gun runs, Kiowa helicopters were doing gun runs, and they ran out of ammo. Well, on the Kiowa helicopters, they don't have doors. So what they started doing was like drive flybys and they're flying, but the pilot and co-pilot, they had M4s. So they were just shooting out their door oh, from their wow. doors, from the That's sky. That's awesome. You know, they're just like, we're, we're, oh, the enemy's like, hey, we got guys over here. And they'll fly by and you see the pilot like, bop, 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 you know, reloading. And like, then, okay, the co-pilot, bop, 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 bop. And then they were like, okay, hey, drop hand grenades. They were dropping hand grenades from the helicopters. And they finally, they ran out of everything. So then they had smoke grenades. So then they started throwing smoke grenades where the enemy was so that we could call in for artillery and mortars to bomb where the smoke was. So they're like, hey, look, we're going to mark targets. And then we got to go. We're out of ammo. And after one hour... After one hour, we killed about 200 people. So that was just like, that was the most intense gunfight I've been in. And so I, I, I joined after September 11. I serve. I do three deployments. I experience these gun battles. I see death, destruction. I lose friends. I get back. My last deployment in Beijing after that gun battle and all that. That was 15 months in Iraq, 15. I get back to Fort Bragg, North Carolina. And then like two weeks later, I get a letter and it's orders, right? You guys know about orders. Oh yeah. Love those. <laughs> so I got this letter and it's like, attention to orders, Sergeant Arroyo Fernando, you have 10 days to get out of the army. You have 10 days to churning your gear at CIF, 10 days to do your medical uh, last physical exam, to go to whatever appointment, like all kinds of crap. And that's all I was doing, just 10 days, like, oh, crap. Boom, 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 knock it all out. I enrolled in community college. I get out. And next thing I know, I'm a college student. And I, I, I wasn't right. Mm -hmm. I wasn't right. And... Like so many veterans at that time, you go to war, you get out, you, you know, I'm going to school, but it was like this record on replay. And all I heard was like gunshots. All I heard was explosions. I could hear the radio. Um, you know, my, my two call signs, my first deployments, my call sign was Hawk three Romeo. My second, my last deployment, it was Bravo one, one. And I could hear, like, I could hear people calling me on the radio I didn't have anything, right? I'm just walking to class and I'm hearing machine guns like I'm in combat, like la, 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 la. And I could hear Bravo 1-1, Bravo 1-1. This is 1 Panther 7-1 over. I'm like, what? Like, it was just in here. And after, I would say after about a year, I started noticing like I'm falling apart. Before I could go to sleep, well, first of all, whenever I got home, I had to clear my house. I had to grab my pistol and I had to go room to room, close quarter combat. I'm looking under my bed, looking in my closet. Like, I want to make sure there's no one there because I don't feel safe. Then it got to the point where I couldn't sleep unless I looked under my bed. And then the nightmares kept going, the lack of sleep, the depression. 
uh, I thought I wanted to be a cop and then that fell apart. And then I reached a point where I just felt like a failure. I, you know, all the police departments rejected me and I thought, okay, I think it's time for me, like so many veterans, the statistic right now is 22 veterans commit suicide every day. Correct. 22 veterans a day. And I thought, yeah, um, I, I did what I could. Um, I served my country. It's time for me to take my own life. And I grew up a Christian. I grew up a believer. I strayed from God when I joined the army. But I remember one night I was just, I was, you know, I, I, it was nighttime. I turned off the lights, closed the blinds and I was just drinking and drinking. And then I passed out. I had a nightmare. And then I remember, I just thought like, okay, I'm going to kill myself. And I sat, you know, with a gun in one hand and a beer in the other. And then I got my, my pistol and I put it in my mouth. And then I said, with a pistol in my mouth, I said a prayer in my mind. And I remember I said, God, if you're there, save me. And I was going to church at the time, but I did not tell anybody about what I was going through. I just didn't trust anyone. They're not veterans. They don't know, you know, like, no, I'm not going to, you know, I don't want to do that. So, so with a pistol in my mouth and I said, God, if you're there, save me. And it was quiet. And I'm like, yeah, God doesn't even care. So then I, I took the safety off. It was a 1911 pistol, a 45 ACP with hollow points. And then I said, all right, this is it. Like, I'm just, it's time for me to check out. And I put my thumb on the trigger and I closed my eyes and I was crying and I had tears going down. And then I said, all right, this is it. I'm just going to push down on the trigger with my thumb. And then it's over. And then I heard a bang and I dropped the gun. And I remember I dropped the gun and I looked around, I'm looking for blood and I touch my face and there's no blood. And then I'm, I'm, I'm just freaking, I'm scared. You know, I'm just there crying. I'm scared. Like what happened? Am I dying? Do I need to call 911? Like, I don't know what's going on. Well, I saw, I had a Bible. I was in a studio apartment. I had a desk. And I had a Bible on my desk and somehow that Bible just fell on the floor. And that was the, the bang that I heard. And I fell to my knees and I was like, God, I'm sorry, forgive me. And I asked for forgiveness and I was crying and I just said, God, I need help. Like I need help. And my buddy, he works for the VA and I knew him from high school and he, he had been bothering me. You need help, dude. You need help. And I'm like, I don't, that's just for pussies, dude. Like I served in war, you know, that's for bitches. Um, hey, airborne infantry, ranger school, three combat tours, sniper team. I don't need help, bro. Uh, nah, I'm solid. I'm solid. Well, after that happened, I was like, okay, I need help. <laughs> I give up because God spared my life. And it was only God, who, you know, he saved me. And the next day I told God, okay, fine. I give up. I give up. I need help. The next day he calls me and he's like, Hey man, I'm like, uh, nah, I'm good. I said, nah, I'm good. And he was like, look, I know you're not 
just let I'll pick you up in my government car, take you to the VA. You know, we, I can, we can help you. He's like, dude, I'll buy you breakfast. And I was like, oh, I love breakfast. I'm like, all right. <laughs> you know, I definitely love a way to, uh, definitely a way to our hearts right there. Uh, you can bridge it with food. So you, you, uh, you want to bring someone in that, you know, needs help. Just be like, Hey man, I'll, I'll buy you breakfast burrito. Yeah. Yep. That's, that's, I mean, it worked for me. And yeah, that's when I finally, I met with a clinical social worker, uh, Bob Weems, uh, never forget him. Great guy. I met with him. Even then my pride, see, this is a thing that I see with vets is pride, right? My pride kept me from getting help. Airborne infantry, Ranger, all that crap. And I didn't want to admit weakness. I didn't. And then even when I showed up with this clinical social worker, I got this like packet and they're like, Hey, answer these questions. And it was like stuff like, uh, did you serve in combat? Yes or no? Yes. Uh, did you ever kill anyone? Yes or no? I put no. Did you lose any friends? No. Do you drink alcohol? Absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) Have you had nightmares? No. Uh, have you thought about suicide? Never. Uh, I just, I lied. I still lied, bro. And so I get called into his office and it's just me and him. He closed. It's a small office too. Like, it's kind of like, it's intense, bro. He's like an arm length away from me. Closes the door and he's like, Hey, look, according to your answers, you don't need our help. You're good. You don't need our help. And I'm like, cool. Can I leave? And he's all like, no, no. He's like, let me tell you the problem that I have with your answers. <laughs> I'm like, what? And he pulls out my DD-214. And he's like, well, I was looking at your DD-214, right? Which for people who are listening, who don't know about the military, that's your record of everything you've done in the military. When you get out this piece of paper, they tell you make a thousand copies because that's the only evidence that you serve. And it has all your medals, your deployments, awards, all that stuff, you know? And he had it. And he's like, this is what I, this is, this is the problem I have. Your answers don't match your DD-214. Because I see here, Iraq, Afghanistan, Iraq. I see you've been a war for over two and a half years. I see that you have, you were infantry. I see airborne and I see ranger. And I'm like, okay. And he's like, well, I think you're full of shit. (laughs) that's what he said he's like i think you're bullshitting me i was like crap like he got me you know so i'm like so and he's like look i'm here to help you i am here to help you i am for you not against you even if you have committed murder what you tell me stays between us and it was just quiet and it's just quiet. And I'm just like looking at him, looking at the door. Like, dude, I could walk out right now. But then I knew that I had a gun in my mouth and God saved me. And that he let me live. And this was the opportunity when I said, God, I need help. He got me. He's like, here, here's all the help you need. And I'm still resisting it. 
And then I, I was just like, fuck, man. What do you want to know? And he got my packet. Have you been to Iraq? Yes. Have you been to Afghanistan? Yes. Have you ever killed someone? Yes. Did you lose any friends? Yes. Have you thought about suicide? Yes. Do you want to cure yourself right now? No. Do you drink alcohol? Yes. How many drinks did you have on Friday? About 30 something. With who? Alone. What about Saturday? The same. With who? Alone. What about Sunday? I had like 20 beers. Why only 20? Because I got to go to work on Monday. <laughs> and he's like, you need help. And I just started crying. I just started crying. And I'm like, damn, I didn't know what to, I just started crying. He peeled a, he peeled a layer off. He told me I straight up to my face, I needed help. And it was all my pride and everything like, ah, fuck it. I give up. Like, it's over. I need help. It's the truth. And for the next year, I met with him two times a week. And I knew he thought I was really messed up because the VA only works from Monday through Friday. And it was Saturday on his day off. And he called me. <laughs> it was Saturday. My phone's ringing. I see like, what the hell? I answer. I'm like, hello. He's like, hey, Fernando, this is Bob. I'm like. <laughs> are you working no we're close today i'm like oh all right i just want to check in on you and i'm like okay he's like do you want to kill yourself and i said not today <laughs> sorry oh man and then he's, he's like good good he's like are, are, are you drinking and i'm like no i'm not drinking you said i have a problem <laughs> He's like, oh, that's good. He's like, are you going to be okay until Monday for our appointment? And I said, yeah. All right. Well, hey, you know, I, I, I'm here for you. All right. And I'm like, aren't you off? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, so I'm pretty fucked up, huh? Bro, you had that guy so worried he did a special phone call on you. Yeah, on his day off, he's calling yeah. me. And then he's like, well, kind of fucked up, but aren't we all? I'm like, yeah, I guess. He's like, all right, I'll see you Monday. But I got help, you know? And there were so many tears shed and so many uh, memories that were brought up. And so, so many, it takes work. You know, recovery takes work. And processing the wound, the invisible wounds of war takes work. Mm -hmm. And it's sad and it's hard and, and reliving these events and the nightmares I had, you know, and like all these things, but it gets, it gets better, you know, to every veteran who's going to hear this. It's hard at first. It is, but it gets better and better and better. It's like you're vomiting all the trauma, all the anger, all the loss, all the pain, 
And even if you're not a combat veteran, the anger of like the built up anger, I met so many guys that never went to war, but they got treated so shitty in the military that they have so much anger and so much, you know, just they've been holding on to so much for so long. You need to let that out. Because if you don't, you're going to let it out on your wife, on your kids, on your loved ones. And, and it's not healthy. You know, you need, it's okay to talk about stuff. It is. And I did. And it was in private. You know, I wasn't crying around like a little bitch to a bunch of people. You know, <laughs> hey, have have some dignity. But, but, you know, like admitting I needed help, talking to a professional and then finding like at my church, I go, I go to, um, I go to Mariner's church in Tustin. Uh, there's Mariner's church, Irvine, huge church. And they have so many men's groups and you know what? Like they're not all veterans, yeah. but just having camaraderie and having, you know, people to talk to and just to vent like, Hey, my week's been shitty or whatever. It's good, bro. It's good. And yeah, I found myself like I got help. And then I felt called to go to seminary to go to Bible school, right? I went to Biola University and I got I, I finished my Master of Divinity degree in pastoral care and counseling. And while I was doing that, I was helping veterans at Biola University and I helped to kickstart the Biola Veterans Association. And we, you know, there were guys that just got out of the military, they got their GI Bill, they're going to school. And I was like, I was looking for anyone on campus that looked like a vet. If you had a high and tie, I'm talking to you. Like, you know, you need to change your haircut. You know, that's terrible. Don't get a high and tie. <laughs> I don't know if people do that anymore, but it, it was just crap, you know? Mm -hmm. You know, if you're wearing like, you know, the 511 tactical pants or, <laughs> uh, you know, like any, you know, a camouflage backpack on school. Or the camel hat with the American flag with the Velcro, like, oh, I want to talk to this guy. Are you a veteran? Yeah. How'd you know? Like, well, dude, come on. You look like, <laughs> like you're trying to look, you're trying too hard to look like your spec ops, you know? But just being able to, you know, talk to veterans and tell them my story and then say, I've been through these things and there is hope and there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And you could have a better life. Well, after I finished my MDiv, I went to, uh, I got a job at the Orange County Rescue Mission. And I was the veterans case manager. And I was a counselor for veterans transitioning out of homelessness. Well, there I met my friend Ryan Wong. And Ryan Wong started, he started the nonprofit I work for now. Uh, one of the nonprofit, I work, well, I work for a nonprofit. I have too many jobs, bro. So... <laughs> You know, I'm a, a writer, author, public speaker guy. Uh, I work part-time for Step Forward Academy, which I'm going to talk about. And then I started a job as a case manager at a place called Hope by the Sea. And we help veterans, uh, you know, recover from drug addiction, drug and alcohol addiction, and transition to a healthy life. And at Step Forward Academy, what we do is we have a program that's set and it's it's online it's all remote so you could be anywhere in the country anywhere in the world and if you could tune in on a zoom meeting um we have a class that's coming up in february so whoever listens to this sign up but 
um, veterans and non-veterans alike, what we do is we have a curriculum and there's 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 tests and we help you figure out your strengths um, and what jobs go with those strengths to help offer direction. And then uh, classes on, um, you know, we have guys who specialize in LinkedIn accounts and how to maximize putting yourself out there on LinkedIn, how to, you know, you need help with your resume. I don't care if your job was, you know, scrubbing toilets in the military. We could make your resume look fantastic. Isn't that everybody's job? Yeah. I mean, we all did that. I know I did, (laughs) you know, like police calls and mopping, waxing floors, whatever, you know. But, you know, it's not a janitor. You're a custodial engineer. Uh, <laughs> you know, like, you, you, we could make it sound really good. And But the thing that separates our program is the coaching and the mentorship. So at Step Forward Academy, we have volunteers, and they're very successful people, most of them from Orange County, very successful. And they, they're, we have a lot of veterans on, on the team. And they just want to give their time to give back and to help veterans transition and anyone else to hold them accountable, to help them set goals. And like I said earlier, you know, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Right. So as fellow veterans, like we, we, you know, we had our journey, we've made friends and connections. And then I could now meet someone who's in the active duty and they're like, yeah, I want to get out. And I'm thinking about, you know, whatever job, man, like, I want to work for NASA. Oh, you do? Well, guess what? I happen to know uh, aeronautical engineers and, and freaking rocket engineers. I know people like that. I can connect you to them. They can tell you who's hiring, what they look for, what you need to do, because they've gone through it. And they could guide you through that. So you're not like me when I got out wondering what I'm going to do. You know, thank God for his guidance. But if I had coaching and mentorship, that would have saved me so much time, bro. You know, and that's what Step Forward Academy wants to do. So stepforwardacademy.org, that's what we do. I feel like I've talked too much. <laughs> no, nah, man, you're, you're good. Like, like I said, but, this is the Fernando show earlier, man. And bro, I, I kind of, uh, here, I'll give you a little break, man. And uh, kind of throw some two cents that I, um, you know, going this the step forward academy you know um having having those kind of resources that you're talking about where you have like actual mentor leaders and leaders and within their communities that are out there saying hey i want to take on some uh some hard charger uh vets that come in uh from transitioning and i want to help them guide them into my own community that's that's a pretty that's a pretty big opportunity for uh for those who are transitioning and uh, need to need some help reintegrating into the communities out there that they want to be a part of. So that, that sounds, that sounds pretty, uh, pretty awesome, man. Like, so you're talking like if somebody wants to become an engineer or they're just like, Hey, I want to be, uh, I want to be a filmmaker. Yeah. You guys would help guide them into that direction. We got people. Um, I'll tell you this, look, check this out. So, um, when I got hired on for Step Forward Academy, uh, my buddy Ryan, right? He's the he's the president. 
and co-founder of Step Forward Academy, he said, hey, look, I want you to go through the program. And then I want you to tell me if this is even going to help vets. And I'm like, okay. So for a few weeks, every Wednesday night at like, I think it's like 7 p.m. Because we want to cater to people who are working. We want to cater, you know, like you have a life, you have a job. But if you can just give us an hour of your time, one, one, one hour a week for, you know, a few weeks, we can help you with everything. And so I went through it. I went through it myself. You know, earlier, you guys, we were talking about, oh, you know, we, we'd like for you to introduce us to someone who's gone through the program and benefited through, from it. Well, I'm right here. Like, when my book came out, through the coaching and mentorship, my buddy Ryan, like all these people, you know, they came around me and they're like, hey, public speaking is where you're going to spread the word. And I had so many public speaking events and I have more lined up. And it's because of the mentors around me. They, oh, I know a guy he's in charge. You know, he's the pastor at this church. Oh, I know the guy who's in charge of this organization. They're looking for a motivational speaker. So I'm getting speaking engagements, book signings and all that. Like, dude, I mean, that's helping. It's helping me because I wrote the book, but the whole goal is to help veterans and their families. And that's taking place because of the coaches and mentors who believe in what I'm doing and because of Step Forward Academy. So I am a living testament to what Step Forward can do. And, and, and it's so cool, you know, and coaching and mentorship is the, is the game changer. And I hope, you know, I don't know, let's see who, whoever, whoever comes our way, you know, we're willing to help. So question for you, right? <clears throat> what are the prerequisites? What, what today I want to go next Wednesday, is that something I can just do, just jump in, go on virtual, or is that something that I have to set up in advance, set up some paperwork? How, how does that work? Tell me about the process. All right. So, you know, step by step, like the first thing you do, you go to stepforwardacademy.org and it says sign up to be a mentee, right? Because you're going to get a mentor. So you're going to be a mentee. Well, you sign up, you fill out the information. We want to know, like, who you are, what your goals are, just information about you. Are you a veteran? Yes or no. What branch? How many years? What you do in the military? So we kind of have an idea of who you are. Then we'll connect you to, um, her name is Shannon. She's a Navy wife. Her husband served in the Navy. Uh, he's now, yeah. in the yeah, there you go. And um, so she knows veteran culture and she's super cool. So Shannon will call you, interview you, and then we'll see like, okay, you know, uh, whether you're a fit for our program depends on whether you are willing to commit to, uh, it's just a few weeks, you know, it's like six weeks, one Wednesday night a, month, a week. And are you willing to listen to your mentor? They're not going to command you and give you orders, but to connect and have a mentor and to be held accountable because in order to call people out on their bullshit, they have to be like, yeah, I'm willing for you to call me out on my bullshit because Absolutely. you know, I, 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 as a vet, like I didn't want to get called out on my bullshit. <laughs> I, hey, help. I don't need help. I'm a paratrooper. Oh no, I was wrong. You know? Right. And right. having, are you willing to have someone guide you? 
with the best, with your best interest in mind, by the way, you know, and if you're willing to do that, then you're good. And then just, you'll get the link to the zoom meeting. You'll get the resources. And if you're looking for a certain job, you're going to get links to like, Hey, these they're hiring, they're hiring, they're hiring. We'll help you apply, help you, um, you know, help you with your resume for each position. So you look the very best. We can connect you with other nonprofits. We can help you get uh, a suit and tie. We can help you get, uh, you know, business uh, clothes, everything you need to succeed. We will help you with it every way we can with every resource that we can, because we work also with other nonprofits. So really it's like, take the time to go online, sign up. Do you agree to these things? And then we'll go from there. That's awesome, man. That is absolutely amazing. We we cannot thank you and your team enough for everything you guys are doing. And thank you for sharing your story. It's, it's one thing to read about it. It's another thing to hear from it live. You know what I mean? It's It's completely different. Yeah. So we truly appreciate you, man. Chris, you got it. What other questions you got? Because I, I'm wow. I'm <laughs> you know, Fernando, um, I'm really glad that he came on here, and I'm really glad that we started off with your book. All right, and here's the reason why: your story, books, right? And and that's a, that's why we also asked towards the end of the podcast uh, books and other material because books unlock and unleash some memories. Yeah. And also yeah. help, help equip and help knowledge, uh, you know, help people gain the wealth of knowledge that's out there for free. Right. Well, you may have to pay for it for a book or whatnot, but what I'm saying is, <laughs> is it's going to unlock, it's going to unlock some memories. Right. I, I know when, uh, for example, I was reading uh, the new David Goggins book that came out. Right. Oh he yeah. Was, he was talking about, um, um his relationship with his father and it released a memory that i had from my childhood when when i was a kid and it made me realize that hey i've always been a fighter like that is my natural uh my natural um, um my natural ability is i i just i will fight and i ever since i was a little kid you know i have a very similar story not my actual father but a father uh, father uh, a stepfather that was very similar in some ways yeah so i i appreciate you sharing those stories man because that you know hey you just telling that story man it kind of unlocked you know i remember coming back from two tours in afghanistan then going to guantanamo bay yeah uh, as a detainee guard and having to deal with all those like clearing the house i was like check i yep that's it Yep. check i used to do that shit <laughs> um, i i never personally killed anybody but i've been around a lot of dead people yeah um and i've done things that you know you know, like you said outer body yeah man so like you sharing those things man um it's just you know it kind of kind of brought me back to where i was at and you know hey like I was really screwed up. And if it wasn't for my wife at the time, man, I, I don't know where I'd be at. You know, she put up with me for a while and, you know, hey, people need to go get help. Like even I, I I've been seeking help recently. She's still putting up with you. Yeah, I know. 
<laughs> she's a great woman so I, I i appreciate you coming on here and sharing your story man no dude i i love um and i mean it man i love meeting veterans you know both of you guys like you know every brand talks shit like we all like oh you know army navy game and all that crap I, i'm gonna be honest you know the army navy game i'm very happy at the results uh <laughs> it was whatever it's sad but whatever <laughs> i was like what they, a field goal at the end they won i'm like oh my god go army beat navy and and you know like talking crap like you know oh yeah army this navy that whatever but the bottom line is uh this is this is what i'll say you know this is what i remember I remember being in Beji, Iraq, and I remember um, I got to work with the Navy EOD, right? That's uh, Navy Special Warfare, and the EOD guys worked so hard, and, they, you know, we we were out there with them, and they're just, like, blowing up bombs. A few of them passed. A few of them were killed in action, but I remember when my friends were killed, like, they would, my friends were killed. These Navy EOD guys, they were there and they were in tears and they were, they paid their respects. And, and I just thought like, dude, like, these are my brothers, bro. Everyone who serves is my brother or my sister. Everyone who serves, who put on that uniform, who represented America, we're all on the same team. We may bust each other's balls from time to time, like whatever. All the time. Right. But it's like this. Look, this is, this is how I see it, though. Especially if there's an Air Force guy in a room, okay? Ah, Air Force, Air guys. Force. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Chair Force. There's yeah. no respect. Yeah. No. Yeah. But, you know, it's like amongst us, like, yeah, we talk crap to each other. But if you've never served and you're talking crap, I don't care if no. you've never served and you're talking about the Air <laughs> no. Force. Like, hey, dude, shut the fuck up. Yep. You, yeah, you know what? That Air Force guy did more than you did because you didn't do shit. So, anyone who served is my brother and my sister, and I just want to help as many vets as I can. And I'm so happy that I get to work with vets and hear their stories, just like you guys. You know, like, um, different experiences, but it's still service and sacrifice. And I respect you guys, and I respect everyone who's ever served. And uh, I think together we can help so many vets, man. Absolutely, bro. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, if it's okay with you, we'd like to bring you back a few weeks, a few months from now to obviously catch up and see where this takes us. Because I know we're going to keep in touch. Yeah. And we're going to keep on building each other up. You are in the Orange County area, yeah. which is awesome. We're currently, well, in San Diego. Chris. <laughs> We'll eventually go back to Washington, and but we're trying to continue helping and passing the word out about all the all the things that we know that people need in and out yeah. of the military, and it's just it's all about knowing what you know. Yeah. All right. So I'm gonna ask these uh, last few questions. Uh, yeah. Let's do it. What what books do you recommend? Books or even uh, podcasts? I mean, aside from yours, obviously, that is. Yeah, a, a, aside from the Shadow of Death by Fernando Arroyo. <laughs> Fernando, the books that I recommend. Um, well, as a Christian, I recommend the Bible, right? Uh, always, always. But 
uh yeah the bible yeah you know time after time it's the best-selling book of all time so but um there's a book called tribe by sebastian junger tribe by sebastian junger i don't know if you guys have seen a documentary called restrepo but if you look up restrepo sebastian junger you want to know what war is like to be a paratrooper and go to war you watch that documentary you will see some gruesome real world afghanistan combat but this book tribe he talks about um the problem like so many veterans commit suicide it's this country so broken down and divided that you know less than one percent less than one percent of americans serve in the military so when you come back home you have no one to relate to so like me i came back i felt alone i felt isolated who understands my 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 struggles and what he explains in that book is is about why why that is and that's why it's called tribe because he looks at looks at um native american culture like in the early days and they went to war together and when you come back from war you're well received and taken care of and 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 everyone a warrior culture you know it's like everyone comes around you when you look at israel everyone in israel has to serve at least two years in the armed forces everyone there's a vet so you're not alone people understand you they understand your struggles if you have ptsd it's like oh well i do too i mean you know being in uniform is a culture and a support group so if you're like struggling you tell your friends like dude i got drunk and did this like yeah dude like we're all doing that too and like oh Okay, I'm I'm not I'm, I'm kind of normal, but you know it's like <laughs> you have community, you know. So, uh, tribe by Sebastian Junger is a good one. Uh, what would be another one? Wow, what are what are some other books I've read? Military books. I'm trying to think. You got my book. You got the Bible. You got Sebastian Junger. Um, there's other books. Come on. Think of, uh, there's a book called, hold up. Let me look at it. I'm a cheat. I got to look at my audio books because there's a really good book by, a. um, it's about a former SEAL team six member and the struggles that, that he faced. And it's really inspiring. And it's called fearless. This book fearless by, uh, Eric, Eric Blem. And this guy, uh, so this book's about a Navy SEAL. He was in SEAL Team 6. And his struggles, he struggled with drugs and addiction, but he was a SEAL Team 6 member. And he he found healing and hope through Jesus Christ. And as a believer, as a Christian, always, Jesus Christ is center of everything. And his book, Fearless, I mean, you talk about a warrior, you know, SEAL Team 6, you're tier one, you're, you're top of the, you know, you're, you're up there. <laughs> and, um, and even then, you know, we all have to humble ourselves before God, just like God is the one who kept me from pulling the trigger and killing myself. I owe my life to him. And fearless is a good book about faith and the struggle and the battles of war and, and um, sacrifice. And it, it's really an amazing book. I really recommend that book. Do you want another one? 
No, I think we're good on that. <laughs> so, so here's the thing: like we always get books from everybody, and everybody gives us like two, two. They they give us two books, and I'm like, the readers are going to be well educated if they read every single book. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I mean, think too, though, I've, I've read. Yeah, I've read the Fearless book before. Yeah, it's oh, when I say read, I mean listen. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, it's really good. It's really good. But That's there's one more, one more I want to recommend. Okay, 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 do it. One more. It's called All Secure. All Secure. And it's uh, a book, All Secure. And it's uh, Tom Satterley is his name. All Secure by Tom Satterley, former Delta Force operator. And the reason I recommend these books is because these guys are tier one operators. They're the very tip of the spear. And you'd be surprised that you could be at the tip of the spear and be so elite. And we look up to these guys. And yet when they get out, they face the same struggles as us. Yes. And it's like, oh, oh, I'm not a coward. I'm not this. It's okay to seek help. Because even if you were at the very top doing the most classified missions, you're going to go through the same thing, you know? And that's very humbling. And it opens the door to say, I need help. And that's what I want. I don't want veterans. I don't want veterans to be like me and go through what I went through and have a gun in their mouth. I don't want that. And I, I want to end that 22 a day is unacceptable. Absolutely. I want to end that. So that, that was my last book. That's it. You know, you sure. <laughs> <laughs> so I text uh, I text Yogi right when you were talking about that tribe book, and I'm like tribe because I have this thing, man. We're building a tribe here, and yeah. return, and return to roots is is part of building this tribe, a tribe of people that may not know of each other, and that's why you know we we interview people around the entire country. So yeah, like it's a tribe of people that are just trying to help each other we are all in this together you know we we come back and we're like okay well shit nobody knows what i did back there but when i talk around people and i was like hey yeah i was expeditionary guard force this and this that and they're like some of them are going to know exactly what i'm talking about and the things that i had to go through you know like you say expeditionary to anybody and they're like yep this guy was up forward something somewhere doing something yeah. So, it, and it's just like, just that tribe that we miss out on. And that's kind of one of the biggest things that I'm worried about when I go back is people don't fully understand me. You know, they, people have this opinion of me, yeah. but they don't really know the real me because I've been off gallivanting around the world. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But uh, uh, my last question um is actually if you were to go back and flashback to 18 year old fernando yeah uh, what would what would the, uh, be that little golden nugget that you would throw at yourself man don't lose sight of god i grew up going to church my mom my mom always took me to church at 13 i believed you know i i, I confessed my faith in christ and i, I was baptized and then when i joined the army i just like i strayed away and I remember just, you know, going with the flow and drinking and just doing all this crap. 
But I believe that having a spiritual foundation, a relationship with God is, is, you know, I believe in a, the holistic approach where, you know, we're, we're not just physical beings, we're spiritual beings. And my relationship with Christ would have changed so much if I held on to it instead of blaming him. I got, I reached a point in my, in, uh, on my, in my, uh, my, my service where I just blamed God for my friends dying and for, you know, the horrors of war that I saw. But death is a reality. If anything, God was showing me why I need him more than ever. And I didn't understand that. And I would tell my 18-year-old self, like, hey, look, go talk to the chaplain. Talk to this. Even if you're not a believer, I mean, you're hearing this. You don't have to be a Christian or anything. You can go find the chaplain and it's confidential, bro. And you can you can vent and talk about anything and, and just be like, whoo, let it out and walk away. And it's private. And that would have made a huge difference instead of holding on to this weight of like, you know, shame and guilt. Oh, I I, I shot this person or I bit, you know, I, I, I did things in war that were just terrible. But I was kind of just going through it alone. So bottom line is hold on to your faith. That's what I would tell myself. It, it, it fascinates me. And I'm going to share this with you and only yeah. because of what you share with us. Yeah. So I, my first, so I joined in 2002. And in 2003, I was also on deployment, right? I was... uh on workups on the George Washington, there was a um, um, accident, right? This person literally decapitated themselves, right? Uh, they were on the dolly. Some, the spotter was supposed to be taking care of them. I was 18 at the time. I walked up and as I'm opening this massive door and this is on the carrier, I see this guy and they're talking back and forth. One of the guys goes silent. And then you hear this sound of bones breaking, right? The, there's no way to describe it unless you've experienced it. Yeah. There's, there's no way. The snap and the crack and all that. Yeah. And I start wanting to help the guy that's on top of the forklift, right? What do I do? What do I do, right? So I try to stop it. I try to tell the guy that's supposed to be watching for him to make sure that that doesn't happen. Hey, this is happening. This is going on. And it's, it, I mean, there's no going back. It already happened, right? It, it, was, it was the neck, half of his, you know, I don't want to be too graphic on, on, on this podcast, but it brought this change of who, who I was. And even with the people that I was with at the time, the only thing that we did to cope with it was pretend like it almost didn't happen. 
right? Yeah, that seems to and, be the, yeah. And with that, right? So this is my first time dealing with something like this. And I, I'm looking up for guidance and mentorship of how am I supposed to deal with this, right? And everybody was just like, just, just move on. Just move on. Don't, you know, just keep on going. Needless to say, that's not the right way to deal with it by any means. And you're not supposed to even like on paper and everything. There's specific instructions on how you're supposed to deal with it. Needless to say, that didn't happen at all. <laughs> but it wasn't up until. So you mentioned the chaplain, right? For the last 20 years. I've reached out to the chaplain because of the whole stigma, even though it's supposed to be not a stigma anymore, right? But it's still a stigma of if you go to the psychologist, you can lose your uh, security clearance or you're going to be shamed or you're going to be that guy, right? So the way that I dealt with that kind of stuff, it was by talking to the chaplain or by becoming the suicide coordinator. I was a suicide coordinator for 12 years, 12 years. I was also the sexual assault victim advocate for close to 15 years, right? Because how else do you deal with trauma without exposing yourself is by trying to help everybody else, right? And I just love the fact that you mentioned that you would go back and tell yourself to go and reach out for help. Yeah. That is so, such a strong message. Yeah. That no matter how many people say it, it's the truth. It's the truth. I'm sorry, I got a little, I went down a rant. No, but that's fine. That's good. That's good. You're absolutely right, man. Like, why not get help? And I think there's a culture of like, um, not wanting to be weak, not wanting to, um, I don't know what it is. I don't know. It, it, for us, my experience, it was the culture of not wanting to admit admit um, that you could not handle something on your own because yes. it's some type of personal weakness. Yes. And it's like, oh, I'm not, mm, mm, I don't know nothing. Like, no, dude, it's, you need to say something. Be a human being, bro. Absolutely, man. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. No, no, thank you. That, that was all you. <laughs> no, that story. That, yeah. Oh, man. Like the bones and the, like, oh, man, that that's I'm sorry you had to go through that, bro. But I'm glad that you shared it because I, I know a lot of people are going to like relate to that. Chris, back to you. Now that uh, <laughs> with that. <laughs> all right, guys. So, um. Like Yogi has already said, hey, Fernando, thanks for coming on to the show, man. Uh, we're building a tribe here on a return to roots. Yeah. Uh, you know, we talked about uh, your book, Step Forward, and you graced us with some pretty good uh, good reading material. Um, 15 books, was it? No, three books. Yeah, yeah, 20. <laughs> <laughs> 100 no, books in a year. Go ahead. Hey, hey you know, it's it's uh it's man i i use this app i always put this uh sometimes i put this uh 
um selfless little plug in there and i talk oh not it's not mine i wish it was mine but there's an app called libby and you could go um go to your local library and download uh libby and then with your library card you can get free books so major uh i can tell you right now uh fearless is on there and tribe is on that app as well it's free just go to your local uh, library get your little library card and download the libby app and get two of those uh three books for free yeah. so um very important stuff um thanks for sharing um yogi anything else any parting shots yes the shadow of death is on podcast uh not on podcast wow audible audible it is also on itunes it is extremely accessible please please listen to that if anybody wants to connect with you, how can they do that, bud? Paratrooperarroyo.com. Awesome, awesome. And you're going to see... Paratrooperarroyo.com. Go ahead. And you're going to see links uh, with uh, the paratrooperarroyo.com. Uh, you're going to see uh, the books uh, book link. Uh, and we hope to hear more from you guys. And, uh, bro, we're going to bring you back on the show. Um, all right, well... Thanks for uh, listening to Record Your uh, Record Your Roots. Wow! <laughs> <laughs> Record Your Roots. Hey, luckily oh, I can. Uh, hey, hey, watch this. I'll just split it. I'll be like, hey, thanks for listening to the show, guys. Thank you for listening to Return Your Roots. I uh, thought that was a little funny, so I left that in there so you could hear some true, authentic uh, messing up of things. But we touched on some topics today that I feel that we need to just address. Um, there's courage to call. And if any reason while you're listening to the show, uh, you feel like you're experiencing some um, past experiences, you know, courage to call two one one. They can help you out and process that stuff. They have a uh, veterans. Uh, services available um, for people that may need to talk to somebody um, especially you know unlocking some of this stuff it, it can bring stuff up so I, I understand so courage to call 211 I hope you guys enjoy the show and uh, it's been a privilege to be able to be here in front of you guys thank you Do us a solid. Share this content with everyone you know, regardless if they're associated with the military or not. This content will help someone you know, and hopefully will lessen the deadly gap after service. Our goal is to do whatever we can to reduce the number of suicides from 22 to 0 within the community. Give us a 5-star review, follow, like, and subscribe. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, TikTok, and you can follow us on LinkedIn and Instagram for more content from our guests. These are our personal experiences and we do not represent the views of the United States Navy and or the Department of Defense. Your transition is ultimately up to you. Please do your research and ask questions. Use Master Chief Google or ask a friend and network within the community that you belong to. Return to Roots out.